You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua chapter 1. You can read the first nine verses. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Joshua here, book of Joshua. Um, There's a lot of things here, okay? Moving from the law, Deuteronomy, into now the children of Israel moving into the promised land, Uh, The first book is named after a person, Joshua, a very interesting character. There's many types here of the Christian life and entering into the fullness that God has for us. But what I really want to look at is this guy, Joshua, the man, moving into this place, a new place in his life, and how God's dealing with him here. When he's introduced to us, It says, as this book opens up, it's his book. It's got his name on it. He's going to be the leader of the children through Israel throughout this. The main focus here. He's introduced to us as a minister. You look at verse 1. It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Moses' minister. It's his description. It's how God wants us to first see him. It's what he's been for the last 40 years taking care of what Moses has him taking care of. Ministering to him, the word is as a servant. That's what the word is, a minister is a servant. In any way possible, Joshua did all that he could. He was with Moses whenever Moses needed to go somewhere. When Moses was up getting the Ten Commandments, Joshua was there waiting for him. When Moses was in the tabernacle, we see even Moses leaves, Joshua is still there praying. When Moses needs spies to send out, who does he pick? Joshua is the person he's going to pick. When men go out and they begin to prophesy, filled with the Spirit of the Lord in the camp, Joshua, is, he's jealous over Moses. He loves Moses. He goes out and he tells Moses, Moses, these guys are out here talking in the name of the Lord. And Moses has to correct them and say, no, Joshua, it's okay. I wish that everyone was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. 
Joshua is the one that when the Amalekites come and attack them, Moses says, Joshua, I want you to go fight the battle. In every way possible, in the simplest things, Joshua has been there, a servant of Moses. But more than that, a servant of the Lord. In these small things, he has unwittingly been being prepared for this point. God has been dealing with Joshua, teaching Joshua. If Joshua would have never gone through those things, he never would have been ready for this point. Moses, I think, was very interesting. Joshua here is about 80 years old. Moses, when he really began his ministry, he was about 80 years old. He was 40 years in Egypt. He murdered. He fled. 40 years on the backside of the desert when he ran into a bush that didn't stop burning. And here, Joshua has been serving that long in the smallest things. And that's always the place where God prepares us. The Bible says, he that's faithful in little will be faithful in much. It tells us not to despise the day of small things. And you know, maybe you're here, maybe... It's very easy, and I could find myself very easily um, taking for granted daily life. Daily life. But, you know, that's where God prepares us. We have a lot of pictures in the Gospels, but Jesus was around for three years with those disciples. There's a lot of days that were very daily that we don't have. That he taught them, that they learned in the simple things. All through the Bible, the men that God used, he taught them. David would have never slain Goliath if he hadn't seen God keep him with the sheep, with the bear, and with the lion. That's why he could stand before Goliath. He said, God has saved me from the bear. God has saved me from the lion. He will save me from this giant. Prepared him. Joseph would have never been the man that he was if he didn't first learn how to be a slave and do well and keep someone's household and keep a prison and do it well as unto the Lord. And then he got put in charge of a country. And Joshua here, that same thing is happening in his life. And for us, it's the same way. Don't despise those things. He's being prepared. God might be preparing you. You might be wanting to move out. Maybe you want to do something. Maybe you have a sincere desire to serve the Lord. But he has you somewhere that you're growing a little bit impatient with. Well, don't be that way. I was in London, and I saw um, in a woman's kitchen a plaque. And it said, divine service is conducted here three times daily. And I like that because there's a breath of heaven about it. Because that's a woman who understands how to give her daily life to the Lord. And there's something, a service, a sweet surrender to the Lord in that. And Joshua here, that's the man that he is. But as he steps into this now, what he's being prepared for is verse 2. Look at what God says to him. Moses, my servant, is dead. That's kind of like a quick way to deal with the situation here. This is a big guy, right? Therefore, now arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, the land which I give you, even or them, even to the children of Israel, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of Lebanon, even to the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Moses is dead, Joshua. I want you to step into this spot. What a spot to step into. Not a man I would like to follow. One of the greatest characters in the Bible, I think maybe one of the top two greatest characters in the Bible, Moses and Paul. Moses, here's this man that's done these miracles that we look at in awe in Egypt, following the Lord, parting the Red Sea. Moses, the one that got the Ten Commandments. Moses, the one that the Bible tells us, talk to God like a man speaks with a friend face to face. 
Moses, the one that, that lived for 120 years, and it says his natural force was not abated. His eyes were not dim. He's 120 years old, and he climbed up a mountain. God strengthened him. Moses, the one that ushered in the law. Moses, the one that appears in the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses, the one who Satan's fighting for his body over in the New Testament. Moses, the one they won't even believe Jesus, but they still believe Moses. They said, Moses, we know, but you, we don't know. One of the two people in the Bible, Moses and Paul, that said, God, let me suffer hell that these people might be saved. He said, blot out my name instead of these Israelites. Paul said it about the Jews. I would rather suffer damnation than them. Is there anything more like the heart of Jesus taking the sins of the world? Those two men were able to say that in truth. I'm sorry. I love you people, but I want to go to heaven. You know, (laughs) I'm not there yet. An amazing character. Unbelievable man. Joshua, I want you to step into that. Can you imagine how small he feels? He knows that he won't measure up to Moses. He won't. Who can? There's not another Moses. Who could? Not only that, it's not just he has to step into Moses' place. He has to take these people. I want you to lead them in the land. Moses is this amazing character, and they tried to stone Moses. Yeah, those people, I want you to take them. It's not like just go yourself, you know. It's these two, three million people. I want you to take them and lead them in. The ones, Moses, who's the meekest man in the, on the earth, lost his temper with these people. Now, I want you to direct them. Imagine somebody woke you up tomorrow morning in bed. Hey, there's like a couple million people outside. You need to be their leader. Go ahead, follow. They're all going to follow you. Hope you do a good job. They're hungry, you know. Imagine this now. This is what he's stepping into. This is something huge. He's stepping into this this thing that is way beyond him. Circumstances that are way beyond him. A situation that is more than he can handle. And he looks at himself and there's no way that he can live up to Moses and to the person that he was. And he feels absolutely inadequate. And that is absolutely the place that God wants him to be. Because it's a shame Some of us are so big, God can't use us. And God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And he understands human frailty. He understands when we come to life and we have something that we're afraid of, that it seems too big for us, that we reach situations or circumstances that are overwhelming, that are absolutely over our heads, that there's not a possible way when we look at ourselves that we can live up to it. And this is where Joshua is at now. And God is going to give him here in these next couple of verses three promises, specific promises that he wants Joshua to hold on to here. And the first one is this. Look at what it says in verse 5. There shall... Excuse me. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, he says, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. What a promise. First promise God gives him here is the promise of his presence. Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Because when things are overwhelming, you know what Satan wants us to do? To look at ourselves. 
Nobody would like Joshua to do here, to look in and of himself and say, there's no way in the world I can be Moses. There's no way in the world that I can lead these people. There's no way in the world that I can do what he did. I don't have the abilities. But God says, Moses, or excuse me, Joshua, I'm with you. I'm with you. He quotes himself the same promise that he gave to Moses. Just what I said to Moses, I'm saying it to you. I guess if you're God, there's nobody else that's really worth quoting. But I just thought of that right now. He should quote himself. And his promises in the Bible, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're always yea and amen in Christ Jesus. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. I'm going to be with you. This is the same today for us when we enter into those situations. The Spirit, Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I'll send the Comforter. The Spirit is with us. He himself said, he said, lo, I'll be with you even until the end of the age in Matthew. Paul says of God the Father, it's in him that we live, we move, we have our being. The fullness of the Godhead is with us. Where can you go from his spirit? Where can you flee from his presence? And you know what? Satan wants us to focus on ourselves. And when we do that, it's depressing. I don't know about you. I'm depressed when I look at myself. Not just physically, you know. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny. You know, maybe some of us are. I guess ladies deal with that a little bit more than guys. You can, like, look at yourself and you're like, but my right ear is a little lower than my left ear, you know. It doesn't matter how fine you are. Guys are kind of wired the other way. We can find the one good thing about us. I could have a peg leg, no teeth, a patch, and a hook, but I'm like, at least my biceps are huge, you know. <laughs> ladies, you're, wi- you're wired a little bit different. I'm not talking about in a physical sense looking at ourselves, you know. Well, I look at myself, I, I could become depressed in, in a spiritual sense, in the way that I am, in my nature. Paul did the same thing. He looked at himself and he was depressed. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. I don't find the strength to perform the way that I want to. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he lifts up his eyes and he sees Jesus and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Look away from yourself and your circumstances and look to the author and the finisher of your faith, the captain of your salvation. He says, I'm with you. The supreme inquiry we make in our lives is not whether we have the qualifications or the abilities. It's whether God has said to us, I'm with you. Go that way. Perfect love casts out fear. And when the Lord is with us, It doesn't matter what our qualifications are. When God is with us, it doesn't matter how weak we are. When his presence is there, it doesn't matter what we face because you and God is majority. And he says, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Notice he says in that verse, verse 5, I will not fail thee. You want to know why? Because Joshua is going to fail God. He's going to mess up. Other people were going to mess up and make Joshua mess up. Achan. Joshua wouldn't pray and be tricked by the Gibeonites. He would make mistakes. And God understands that you're going to fail him. That you're going to come to situations that are bigger than yourself. Because you are but dust, the Bible says. That you're a sinner. And that's part of the Christian life. That you're going to fail him. But he won't fail you. He's faithful. He cannot deny himself. And he says, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to fail you. 
I'm not going to forsake you. Hold on to the Lord. It's his first promise. I'll be with you. Then he says this in verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people you shall divide an inheritance in the land which I swear unto your fathers to give to them. Be strong and of good courage. And look, he, he tells him this because Joshua is not strong. Notice these things. He's going to go through this numerous times and tell him this over and over again because Joshua is not strong. God doesn't say things for no reason. He doesn't waste his breath. He says, I'm not going to fail you because Joshua was worried about being failed. He says, I'm not going to forsake you because Joshua was worried about being forsaken. He said, I'm going to be with you because Joshua was worried about where he was at. And he says, be strong and courageous because Joshua was discouraged. And he gives him a promise here. He says, you, you shall divide this land, an inheritance. You're going to be there at the end, Joshua. He gives him a promise of victory, his second promise. You're going to see the end of this, and you're going to divide the land for these people. That's huge. You want to know why? Because there's 25 years of action that need to take place here. There's 31 kings that need to be defeated And they're giants, and they're huge, and their cities are large and walled. So scary that the first time they came, only Joshua and Caleb say, let's go in. There's overwhelming things that he has to face here. There's overwhelming difficulties, circumstances that he could not defeat. And God says, you're going to be there at the end, Joshua. You're going to divide this land for an inheritance. You have the promise of victory. You're going to win. You're going to win in me. And you know what? It's the same today. Colossians tells us that God has openly triumphed over our enemy. That we, through our Lord Jesus Christ, have the victory, Corinthians tells us. We have the victory. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus We as Christians, we don't fight for victory. We fight from it. God's already told you, you won. You won. Hold on to my promises here. Hold on to the things that I give you. God's people, you and me, we live on promises, not explanations. We want explanations. But God doesn't need to explain himself to you or me because he's God. And even if he did, his ways are above your ways and my ways. You wouldn't understand it anyway. We don't like that because that means we have to live by faith. That means we have to trust him. But God's people don't live on explanations. We live on promises. Promises. Peter says this, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, Through lust, God's word is filled with promises, filled with promises. He will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Over and over and over and over again in God's word, he says, you do this, watch it happen. You do this, watch it happen. This is what I'm saying to you. Put your life on it. Test me. 
If I told you those things, it would be blasphemous. But God put them in his word. Hold them to his word. Lord, you said this. I didn't make it up. You put it in here for me to read. You gave it to me to hold on to. Put your life on it. Bet your life on it. What are you counting on? What are you betting on? What are you building your life on? Is it your own strength? You think you're going to make something for yourself? Are you in control of your future? Can you handle how things go? Can you control the circumstances of your life? Do you have mastery over it? What are you betting on? Your own intelligence? What are you building on? Where's your foundation? Because there's no other foundation than that is laid, than that is Christ Jesus our Lord. If it's not his promises, I don't want to build on myself. I already told you, I get disgusted when I look at myself. I don't want to build on my own strength. I already know how weak I am. I want to build on what he has laid out. The good things that he has set in front of me. And Joshua isn't doing this on his own strength now. God has said, you're going to have the victory. You fight like you're going to get the victory. That doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. God's promises aren't pillows. They're prods. They push us. It doesn't mean we sit back and say, ah, God, do everything in my life. It means we charge. God told Joshua, you're going to live to the end. Do you think that meant he just sat back in the back of all the battles and he was like, ah, we're going to win, you know, let's just sit here until, like, we, just, we destroy all the Canaanites in the land. No, that gave him courage. I bet he was in the front of the battles. I know I'm going to live. God said so. I'm going to be here at the end. That gave him courage to go and do, to act. And God's given us promise after promise after promise. And you know what happens as we begin to believe, and we won't say it to ourselves, that God can't meet what we need for our lives. That God doesn't have my highest happiness in mind. That God doesn't really want to give me what I really need. And that if I put it all in his hands, I'm going to be ashamed at the end. I'm going to put work in, and it's not going to come out the way that I want it to. We're scared. We could trust God with our eternity, but we can't trust him with our life now. You see, it's hard to trust God for big things, isn't it? It's easy to trust God for little things. It's hard to trust God in the big things. To say, Lord, I'm going to put my finances in your hand. Lord, I'm going to put this situation with this person into your hand. Lord, I'm going to put my future into your hand. Maybe God's calling you and he's asking you to do something for him. And we're scared. He's giving you a promise. Maybe he's calling you to leave and be a missionary. Maybe he's calling you to trust you with his family. Maybe he's calling you, who knows, to do something. To reach out. To tell somebody about him. And he's given us promises. But we're scared. We're afraid. You see, what Christianity needs today is courage. I don't need to know more things. I know plenty of promises. My problem is courage. My problem isn't the knowledge. Joshua had the promise now. His promise wasn't the, uh, the promise wasn't the problem. It was the courage to follow through on the promise. 
It was the courage to say, God, here's my future. God, here's my life. God, the person I'll marry, I'll give it to you. I'm not going to work for it. God, the, what I'm going to do for my life, I'm going to give it to you. God, if you call me to this and it seems like I'm leaving things behind, I'm going to do it. God, you promised that you would take care of me. So here it is. I'm giving you my life. I'm putting it into your hands. You know, there was a guy named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was probably the greatest tightrope walker that ever lived. Uh, 1,100 feet he stretched his rope across Niagara Falls, 160 feet over the falls. He did all types of things. He walked backwards. He walked blindfolded. He did a backwards somersault. He walked out on stilts. He walked out with a chair. He brought a little stove out with him once and cooked himself an omelet and ate it. I looked these things up, too, because I, I didn't believe it. He did this stuff. Real guy. And Charles Blinden was unbelievable on this, on this rope. And he walked back one day, and the crowd was there, and everybody was watching him. And he got down, and they were all cheering. And he asked, he said, who thinks I could carry somebody across? And they did. And this guy said, ah, you could do that easy. And he said, would you like to eat on my shoulders? He said, certainly not. And he said, who believes that I could carry somebody across on this rope? And people said, oh. And he said, would you like to get on my shoulders? Certainly not. No, no. Until finally one guy came forward. He said, I believe you can do it. And he said, would you like to get on my shoulders? He said, actually, I would. And he got on his shoulders, and Charles Blondin walked straight across that rope with him. He had done many things more difficult than that. And the people who were standing by on the shore watched and there was some excitement but I'll tell you it wasn't half of the thrill that that man had on Charles Blondin's shoulders it wasn't half of the thrill and you know many of us live our Christian lives watching other people get carried by the Lord because we're too scared to put our all on him because it's not that we don't know he can't do it because it's not that we don't have the promise. It's that we don't have the courage. It's that we don't have the courage. And we're watching other people get used. And we give excuses like God loves them more. Or they have more faith. Or they have more power. No, it's not anything like that. It's just that they said, Lord, here's my life. And do you understand that if you give your life to the Lord, that he's not going to let you down? that he's not going to make you ashamed with that gift, that if you put precious things into his hand, that God doesn't take that for granted. God doesn't use people. He loves us. He loves us. He doesn't take those things and treat them lightly. And you know, our difficulty, my difficulty, it's not the knowing. It's not wondering whether God can do it or not. It's just the courage to say, Lord, here it is. Here's my life. And not to leave an escape route. You know, that's what we like to do. We leave ourselves a little way out so that if God doesn't come through, you know, I'm still all right. I'll be okay in the end. That's what we call Jacob. And Jacob needed to learn to live with a limp before God really turned him into Israel. He needed to put it all into God's hands and learn that it wasn't about him. And you know, when we do that, that's when the greatest things in the Bible happen. 
when a 16-year-old boy runs out in front of the army and there's no way out because that nine, you know, 10 foot, 400 pound man is coming down on him with a little dude with a shield in front of him and a big spear. And all you got is a stick and a sling. But he said, oh no, you've come to defy the Lord God of hosts. It's not about me. There's somebody bigger with me. And the only giant in David's life was God. And you know what? God didn't let him down. He put everything in the Lord's hands. He said, here I am. You want to see the Lord do something? You want to see the Lord take your life? You want to see God do big things with you? You want to see God come through? Then put it in his hands. Put it in his hands. Lean on that promise. You see, that promise didn't make Joshua lazy. That promise made Joshua look up to heaven and say, sun stand still, moon stand still. And the Bible says that God hasn't listened to a man's voice ever since like that day. Because Joshua believed that any way God can, he's going to get me through this because he promised me. Because he promised me. And it gave him courage to say things. He said, sun stands still in the sight of all of Israel, the verse tells us. He got up in front of everybody and told the sun to stand still. That's some courage. That's courage. That's somebody that is putting their all on the promises of God. Not presumption, the promises of God. And God came through. God came through. But he doesn't just leave him there even. Look at verse 7 and 8. He's going to give him here another promise. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Once again, he encourages him. This is where we're lacking our courage. And he's going to go through and he's going to give him five things here. The promise he's going to give Joshua now is the promise of his word. And he's going to give him five exhortations here. The first thing he says that you would observe to do all the law which Moses commanded you. The things that are written down, the law that I gave him, the law according to the tabernacle, how things are to run. Follow it. Observe it. He says that, but, or excuse me, that you turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that you may prosper wherever you're going. Not only do the law, but don't turn from it. Don't go one way or the other. Don't go to extremes. You stay where it has laid out. The path that is clearly set, stay on it. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Talk about it. Make it part of your daily conversation. We can talk about anything. But we start to bring up the word of God in front of people and everybody's like, why are they talking about that, right? Oh, that's kind of weird. He says, don't let it depart out of your mouth. Let it be there all the time. All the time. This is third exhortation. Meditate therein day and night. That's his fourth exhortation. Think about it. Be in it. Let it be part of your mind that you may observe to do all that is written therein for then you shall make your way prosperous. Then shall you have good success or you shall go on a wise path. Observe, notice, to do it now. You make it a part of your life, then you observe to do it. You live it. The word of God will keep you. What Satan wants most of all is to keep you from the word of God because the word of God will keep you. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse, cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. 
It's God's word that cleanses us, that keeps us. Be in it. Meditate on it. Talk about it. Do it. Do it. Because if you just do those other things and you don't live it, it has no purpose. The word of God is to change our conduct, our character. It's to shape us into who God would have us to be. Don't give me something, somebody that just has all the knowledge about that knows Greek and Hebrew and can read the word of God and can go to a verse that says, give thanks in all things, things for this is the will of God concerning you and can read that verse and tell me all about it. And then they walk away and haven't said thank you. Give me the person who closes their Bible and says, thanks, Lord, because I've been a complainer. Because I grumble way too much. Not a person who just reads the word of God and says, praise the Lord, but a person who lifts his head up and says, blessed be your name. Because I'd much rather have the man that came and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and beat his chest and couldn't look to heaven, read Psalm 51 and tell me about it, than the Pharisee who went and prayed and said, thank you that I'm not like women or like those tax collectors. And he could probably memorize it and tell it to me, but he doesn't know it. Every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. John Bunyan had written in his Bible that this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. We're not just supposed to be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers. That if the word of God is not integrated into your daily life, that if you segregate the two, the word of God in your daily life, you aren't learning it. You aren't knowing God. They can't be separated. They have to be mixed. It has to be a part of everything that we do. Through and through, it changes our thoughts, our desires, our ways, our character, our conduct. It's brought into daily life. Without that, there's no purpose in it. They're tied together. And he says, Joshua, let this be a part of everything you do. Don't let it slip. Don't let it slide. I promise you that I'll be with you. I promise you that I'll keep you. I'll promise you that I'll give you the victory, that I'll watch you. And you know what? The great thing is Joshua did these things. And I'll read you this at the end of Joshua. Not only does the Bible say later in Joshua that there failed not not any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel, all came to pass. Everything that God had said, it happened. But chapter 23, verse 14 says, Joshua speaking to the people, and he says, Behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth. Joshua knows he's passing now off the scene. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you, and all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing has failed thereof. At the end of Joshua's life, he can look back and he says, God hasn't failed me in one thing. There hasn't been one thing that he promised me that hasn't come through. You can live to achieve your goals and live to regret it if they're your own. But if you bet your life and you set your life and you give your life and you surrender your life upon the promises of God, you can look back at the end and I guarantee you that you will be able to say, there's not one thing that he has told me that has failed. I might have failed myself, but God has not failed me. He has not forsaken me. 
Give it all to him. I'll end with this story, uh, this illustration. Two little kids. There's a little boy that had some very nice marbles, beautiful marbles. And a little girl had a bunch of candy. That little boy saw that candy, and he wanted it. And so being quite the businessman that he was, he said to that little girl, if you give me all your candy, I'll give you all my marbles. And the little girl had seen his marbles, and she knew they were very nice. And she liked her candy, but she said, you know what? All right. I'll give you my candy. So she gave him her candy, all of it. And then the little boy went home to go get his marbles. And as he was taking them out, he realized that these marbles were very nice, that they're extremely beautiful. And he kind of regretted his choice. So what he did was he took the best of them and he kept them. And he gave the rest to the little girl. And that night, the little girl slept very well. But the little boy couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned and tossed and turned because he kept wondering, I wonder if she gave me all the candy. (laughs) And it's funny in one sense. But there's another sense that is not funny because the point is this, that when you withhold from the Lord and you remain autonomous, independent, wanted to do things your own way, you will never be able to shake the specter of doubt from your life. When you insist on giving part to the Lord, you can't surrender him everything. You will never be able to shake the doubt. You'll always be wondering, I wonder if he could give me everything. The person who knows that God is all in all and is able to give them everything is the person that can give him everything. And that takes some courage. If you give up all to follow him, you will find all in him. And there's only one way to find out that that is true. There's only one way to find out that that is true. And he's faithful. He's the Lord. He does not change. Let's stand. Let's pray. Musicians will come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Lord, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't trust in you. If I couldn't trust in your keeping hand. Lord, what what would we do without the things that you have given us? Not only eternal life, Lord, but for the promises now that we have in your word. Thank you, Lord, that you don't change. I pray that you would give us courage, Lord, in these days to give everything to you, to surrender, to put our lives upon your foundation. And thank you, Lord, that you are true and that we will find you faithful. We lift our hearts to you today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Mike Foch. If you enjoyed the message, you can access more of Pastor Mike's teaching ministry by visiting ccphilly.org.